town called Gamari. Uh, but home uh, for Aboriginal people means a lot of things. Uh, my Aboriginality comes through my maternal lines and our country is Waka Waka country. Uh, and I've never lived on that country except for 12 months ago when I moved to this little town called Gamari. Uh, but also home uh, where we are born as Aboriginal people is a strong um, part of our identity. I was born in Yindinji country in far north Queensland in the place now called Cairns. Uh, but I've grown up and lived most of my life on southern Gubby Gubby country uh, in a place called Redcliffe just north of uh, Meenjin, uh, Brisbane. Uh, and um, that is also home for me. That's where I did all my schooling, where my mum and sister and nephew and nieces all still live in Redcliffe as well. And also Sydney has been my home. So um, from 2019 till last year, uh, lived on the lands of the Gadigal and Wongal peoples um, in this place now called Sydney. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell us uh, who have been some of the people who have shaped your Christian faith and identity? Yeah, so I actually first came to faith at the age of 21 in 2001, and that was actually in the Salvation Army. And so uh, I heard the stories of the founders of the Salvation Army, William Booth and Catherine Booth, and was very inspired um, by what they did, uh, and especially injustice and poverty, and realised that Christians did care about uh, justice and people living in poverty. And um, so that was a very big part of uh, my life and inspired me. Uh, also, Auntie Jean Phillips, one of our most senior Aboriginal Christian leaders in Australia today. Uh, she's in her late 80s now, still doing full-time ministry, but called together younger Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders like me back in 2012. And that's where I really first met Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders um, and learned about those of the past and all that they have done. And so Auntie Jean Phillips um, and so many others uh, also, uh, former president of the Uniting Church of Australia, Deirdre Palmer, uh, has been uh, amazing as I've been a, a, a young leader several years ago now in the Uniting Church, uh, and Arnie Reverend Dr Denise Champion, uh, who's also a Uniting Church Aboriginal and Torres Aboriginal Christian leader, Adnamatna woman. If you don't know Auntie Reverend Dr Denise Champion, uh, please get to know her. Uh, very first Aboriginal woman to be ordained by any denomination, and that was the Uniting Church in South Australia. Um, so very first Aboriginal woman to be ordained in South Australia, Auntie Reverend Dr Denise Champion. I've heard you say you trained as a chartered accountant, uh, but now you find yourself leading and working among communities seeking justice. Uh, can you tell us a bit about uh, the process of calling yeah, so uh, I am a chartered accountant by profession, worked for seven years for one of the big four accounting firms, I've been financial controller and CFO in top 100 ASX listed companies to large companies to not-for-profits and everything in between. Um, so very successful accounting career. Uh, I think the call for justice for any Aboriginal person, because we suffer injustice at such a young age, and so for us that's usually our first experience of racism at school, which always happens in primary school and is still happening today, there's that quest for justice. And uh, it was probably back in uh, 2011 uh, that uh, really God 
told me to go and be with my people full time, uh, which meant going and becoming an Aboriginal pastor. Uh, I'm one of only 30 Indigenous chartered accountants in all of Australia, so I didn't get to see my people every day. Uh, and not that I wasn't with my people, but um, uh, when you go to become an Aboriginal pastor uh, is a big thing. And so 2012, I was an Aboriginal pastor. Sadly, uh, that ministry was closed down by the denomination. I went back into accounting to fund my ministry uh, and uh, then led to those two years as CEO of Common Grace, the first Aboriginal person to be a leader or CEO of a national Christian organisation in Australia, and now um, doing work in schools and organisations um, and still encouraging today and back to that important ministry of mine uh, to build up and support other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders across Australia today. Uh, so we know that uh, later in this year, um, all Australians are going to be asked to vote in a referendum um, for an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander voiced parliament. Um, so we're wondering how would you like Christians to approach this referendum? Yeah, so how I would really like Christians to approach this referendum, I'll ask you a question. Can you put your hand up if you've read the statement from the heart? Excellent, because you all got a copy. Uh, but I'm doing that in churches and hardly anyone puts up their hand. So how I really want, would love Christians to be approaching the referendum is really, and I'll share this in the message today, listening, learning and loving. Um, using those as your guide to listen, to learn and to love. Uh, and uh, don't forget Jesus in your approach to the referendum. Um, you're going to hear me talking about loving your Aboriginal neighbour today. What does that mean as a Christian in these lands now called Australia, uh, as we all will vote in a referendum if we're over 18 years of age? So why do Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples need a voice to parliament? Yeah, so uh, we do need... Uh, a voice to parliament is a mechanism, but after 250 years, uh, my people are still dying too young and too often from a lack of closing the gap. Um, we are raising our voices in different areas. I've sat on a number of parliamentary committees uh, and um, advised parliament. Uh, one of those was to raise the age of criminal responsibility, which was still voted down. And so the voice to parliament is uh, an opportunity where maybe things will change. And I'm putting a lot of hope into that, that things will change, but we'll need non-Indigenous people to help to keep the government account because um, they, uh, and whichever government we have, it's not just about this current government. This is about changing our constitution uh, so that it can never be taken away because we do need some things made right and the current systems and processes aren't working for Aboriginal people, including someone like me. Uh, what do we do with the diversity of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voices? Yeah, so I guess, again, I really hope it is that Christian approach uh, to really just listen and to love and to learn. So you might not agree. We don't expect non-Indigenous people to all agree with each other. Aboriginal people don't all agree with each other. I always say, I await the day that diversity of Aboriginal opinion is something to be celebrated and not condemned. I stand here as an Aboriginal Christian leader sharing these things. I'm not a politician. Um, I'm, uh, you know, don't uh, lead a particular organisation that might need to say different things. I'm just an individual Aboriginal person. 
But as an Aboriginal Christian leader, we're trying to hold our community together. And so, uh, you know, those that disagree, I'm in relationship with all of them and they all have valid points. Uh, and that's where you need to think about as a Christian in these lands now called Australia, walking with Jesus into that referendum, what does that mean? But to love all the Aboriginal peoples and not to uh, get into debates. And the media always sets us up against each other. Um, Aboriginal to Aboriginal, Aboriginal to non-Aboriginal. So actually to listen, learn and love uh, from Aboriginal peoples that you're in relationship with today. And that's what I hope to build with all of you today. Do we need more information on the powers and structure of the voice? Yeah, that's often a big question I get asked. There, this has been going on for 10 years at least to lead to this point. You could actually say it's 250 years. And that's where the statement from the heart, there's actually three central calls. It's for a voice to parliament, it's for treaty and treaties, and for a national truth-telling commission. We actually need all three, voice, treaty, and truth. So voice is just one step in those. If we have all three, you will bring together 98% of Aboriginal peoples. But this is where the problem is when it's only talking about the voice and not treaty and truth. Um, and this government promised all three, and so we need your help uh, to make sure that we can all come together. Uh, and so... Um, there is so much information out there. If you don't think there's information, you're not following NITV, you haven't read the final report. Um, I've put in parliamentary submissions, uh, Common Grace put in parliamentary submissions. There's so much information out there. And so that's that listen, learn, love approach as well, to, to go and find that and resource yourselves. And it's, it's quite easy. From the Heart website, NITV, um, and that final report that was put out by the committee. What does the voice, and more broadly the Uluru Statement from the Heart, mean to you personally? Yeah, so this is, uh, for me, this moment of actually maturing as a nation, uh, actually recognising us as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, the world's oldest living continuing cultures, and that's voice, treaty and truth. And all three of those honour the decades of work of incredible Aboriginal Christian uh, leaders and Aboriginal leaders. People like William Cooper, Pearl Gibbs, those of the past. Um, so Pastor Doug Nichols, uh, the Barunga Statement of 1988. We were promised a treaty in 1988 and we're still waiting. So this is personal. It affects our lives as Aboriginal peoples. The thing to remember about voting in the referendum, if you vote yes or no, um, but particularly if you're undecided and thinking yes, whatever you vote is, is actually never going to affect your lives because it only affects Aboriginal people's lives because that voice to parliament can only be about policy and legislation that affects our lives. But we are only 3.2% of the Australian population. Um, so it's, it's very humbling fact as an Aboriginal person that my vote actually potentially doesn't count uh, because we need the non-Indigenous votes of um, uh, not just the 3.2%. Um, so we really need to equip you and empower you and to listen, learn and love and walk the journey with us. Um, yeah, some of us um, are, are really struggling about how to have conversations with our friends and family about the voice. I wondered if you've got any advice on how we can approach that. 
again, as you are with friends and family, to go into that listening space, allow voices to be heard. The last thing we want is Aboriginal voices silenced or non-Indigenous voices silenced. And so, uh, but I'm finding, you'll probably find your friends and family haven't read the statement from the heart. See if you can remember a, a line of the statement from the heart. One of the ones that I always remember is uh, the final one that the statement from the heart um, 250 Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islander people that wrote that invited you into a movement of the Australian people. Beautiful words. But also in there, there's talks about the torment of our powerlessness. Um, and I experienced that in the church and in society. Uh, and so this is, this is real for us. Um, and the systems and structures aren't working for Aboriginal people. And I can tell you so many stories as a pastor where I've supported Aboriginal people through that. And so uh, start with the statement from the heart. Um, uh, you know, share personally what it means for you. Allow the space for that. Um, but to listen, learn and love through the whole process. Take that approach instead of an argumentative approach, which I'm seeing many non-Indigenous people doing with each other as well. Let's just listen to one another, and that's what Aboriginal people are calling for. What are you excited about at the moment? I am very excited about uh, Royston Sagigi Baira in Australian Idol. Uh, so that is him up there uh, from Old Marpoon, which is a Uniting Church uh, mission. Um, it was Presbyterian but became Uniting Church. Very sad story of injustice in Old Marpoon. Uh, the whole community was moved in 1963. The church was burnt to the ground um, by the police, Queensland police and government, um, but the community moved back. So 350 people in Royston's community of Old Marpoon, but he's made the top eight of Australian Idol um, and it's a beautiful uh, dream and I'm um, he's more like a little brother to me he's been part of the grass tree gathering part of change the heart uh, and as an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leader so please uh, learn Royston's name and get behind him um, and share his incredible story you know when we have so much injustice and and things that are hard in our lives this is something to celebrate um, and get behind this young man Good morning. The reading this morning is taken from Mark chapter 5, reading from verses 21 to 42. Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders, named Jairus, came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered, suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. 
Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realised that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, come, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's really wonderful to be with you here this morning at Pittwater Uniting uh, Church, and I'm so grateful for the invitation. So thank you so much for inviting me along. And here on Garrigal country, um, Guy Magal country, uh, for me as a Walker Walker woman, uh, and I'm here to share with you about my dream, my prayer, and my action. And hopefully um, that's something you'll want to be a part of. And so whilst the media and politicians are talking of a voice to parliament, today I want to bring us back to relationship. And firstly, that's our relationship with Jesus. And uh, we'll dive into Mark 5 in just a little bit. But at the forefront of every interaction I have as an Aboriginal Christian leader is a passage in Mark 10, verses 30 and 31. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so it is with these two greatest commandments and Jesus as my best friend that I share with you all today. And secondly, it is relationship of this word that we use here in Australia, capital R, reconciliation. And so reconciliation, reconciliation being the building of relationship between Aboriginal peoples of over 300 nations, 
Torres Strait Islander peoples from over 100 islands in the Torres Strait, of which about 20 of those islands are lived upon, and non-Indigenous peoples of all cultures in these lands now called Australia. And being involved in uh, and with Aboriginal justice, it is impossible to ignore reflecting on situations, reflecting on how our past, Australia's past, still affects our present and how our present affects our personal lives, community and indeed our nation. And when I say our there, it is a shared our, that is our shared history of Aboriginal peoples, Torres Strait Islander peoples and non-Indigenous peoples of all cultures of the last over 250 years. And so many Australians know so little about the history of these lands now called Australia. And I'm not only talking about the 230 to 250 years, but the thousands of years since Creator placed us here as Aboriginal peoples uh, and we're still here to this present day. Creator God placed Aboriginal peoples here. And so I reflect on the relationship Aboriginal peoples have had with Creator God, Holy Spirit and Jesus. And not just in the last 250 years, but since time immemorial. Aboriginal peoples were placed here by Creator God. Creator drew the boundaries of our nations. Those boundaries weren't forged by any other way but being placed there by the Creator. And that's why they are often rivers, mountains, where the tree lines change. These are the borders of those over 300 nations. And Creator gave us the law to know the Creator, to care for creation, which is country to us, and to live in right relationship. For me, this is our dreaming. This is for Aboriginal peoples, our dreaming. But for me, these are also three biblical mandates. Aboriginal peoples have always been part of God's story, and we still are today. And I reflect every year as I see many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples exhausting ourselves in actively participating and pursuing reconciliation. And so often in Australia, reconciliation has become just a word, but it is so much more than that. Reconciliation is a journey and an action, and it does affect real people's lives. But my message, the message God has given me, is that I would rather call reconciliation friendship. It is through friendship that we get to know one another. It is through friendship that we desire to learn, share and grow. And it is through friendship that I believe we could close that gap a whole lot quicker. In 2016, I spoke at the Global Network of Public Theology Conference in Cape Town, South Africa. It was my very first theological conference. And for that conference, the paper that ended up being published in two chapters in enacting a public theology, um, edited by Clive Pearson, uh, I compiled a list of injustices facing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples but they're actually injustices facing us as a nation. As I reflect on this list that I wrote back in 2016, uh, not many of them, if any of them, have actually moved at all and are still relevant today in 2023. 
And I shared uh, these injustices, I brought them to life in the 2021 Change the Heart services, uh, which is broadcast with our friends at Good. Change the Heart is completely led by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders. Um, and if you don't know Change the Heart, please go and check it out. And you might want to see this list come to life by watching the Tuning In Together Change the Heart from 2021, which is available through Good. And so as we consider about reflecting, as we consider reconciliation, friendship and loving your Aboriginal neighbour, I wanted to share some of these in our own moment of reflection. So prepare yourself as we reflect as I share some of these uh, injustices facing us as a nation. Stolen land, stolen generations, Stolen wages, massacres and genocide, lack of treaty and treaties, lack of a national truth-telling commission, lack of return of ancestral remains, lack of protection and destruction of sacred sites, lack of closing the gap, life expectancy gaps, high rates of prison incarceration and juvenile detention, the age of criminal responsibility at 10 years of age, Australia sends 10-year-old children to jail, Aboriginal deaths in custody, the highest rates of child suicide in the world, the new stolen generation, poverty, racism, discrimination, the lack of implementation, support and understanding of the statement from the heart. Behind these injustices are people, real people. To me, they are faces and names. They are aunties and uncles, brothers and sisters, cousin brothers, cousin sisters, nieces, nephews. Indeed, they are actually my family. Many are Christian. In the 2016 census, 54% of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people identified as Christian. We are not just your Aboriginal brother and sister. Most of us are your Christian brother and sister. And this list can seem overwhelming, but I can't afford for you to be overwhelmed. And reconciliation can seem overwhelming, uh, like an impossible dream. And so I ask you to tackle any potential feelings of being overwhelmed by learning more and taking action. And don't forget that Jesus is with you. And I call Jesus the great unsettler. And yes, that is a play on settler, but Jesus is the great unsettler. Uh, because Jesus unsettles me in heart, mind and spirit each and every day. And that's how I know I'm walking the good path and the good path with Jesus. And two people who didn't let circumstances become overwhelming were Jairus and the bleeding woman. And so I also use the story of the bleeding woman and Jairus from our passage today in Mark 5 to symbolise this thing I call impossible dreams. And impossible dreams require a lot of work. As Aboriginal Christian leaders, we are working so hard simply for non-Aboriginal people uh, to know us and to love us. 
As Aboriginal peoples, we can't do reconciliation on our own. Uh, it doesn't work that way. And if you remember, I said we're exhausting ourselves doing it. And so we can't do reconciliation on our own. We actually need you and we want you. But unfortunately, as Aboriginal peoples, we can often be ignored or even somehow, um, even worse, somehow we become invisible. And so just like the bleeding woman, we as Aboriginal peoples can be seen as one of many afflicted peoples in Australia and in the world. In our passage in Mark 5, in verse 26, it says, she had endured much under many doctors. She had spent all that she had and she was no better, but rather grew worse. And to me, this reminds me of our struggle as Aboriginal peoples with the government and sometimes even the church structures in our nation. Over 200 years of growing worse. But both the bleeding woman and the father had exhausted all worldly and human possibilities. They had impossible dreams and they turned to Jesus. Reverend Joel Edwards, the former international director of Micah Challenge and a very dear friend of mine, he's now passed away from cancer. But he said this, he said, this is what Christianity is all about. It's about dreaming impossible dreams and making them come true. You and I believe in a God that can make all things possible. Impossible dreams can be possible. And my prayer is that love and compassion compel us to walk to work to walk to work, to work towards God's vision of reconciliation here in Australia. God's vision of his kingdom here on earth, here in Australia today, here in Pitwater today. The impossible dream where God provided us as his children. We've already heard about God's kids today as his children as the action to make the impossible dream come true. And that's the key to our impossible dreams. They don't just come about from dreaming. They require action. The bleeding woman took action as she reached out and touched Jesus. The father took action as he took on those crowds and brought Jesus to his daughter. To Jesus, the great healer, the great comforter, the great reconciler. To bring about reconciliation requires action and it requires you. You see, the impossible dream of reconciliation can be possible when we work and walk together. And when we take the journey of making an impossible dream possible. And that's your invitation to join us as Aboriginal peoples on that journey, as Aboriginal Christian leaders on that journey. A journey where you will be, it's up to you, your own personal decision, whether you will decide whether you will take the next step, which is probably to learn more. A journey where you will actively participate in reconciliation. And for me, coming together and fulfilling our role as Christians in these lands now called Australia, we can do that through actively participating in capital R reconciliation. It's vitally important. And reconciliation is actually really practical. And so I have three actions for reconciliation to share with you today, and I'd love you to do them. And so they are watch and pray, or pray and watch, read and listen. And so the first one is to watch and pray uh, to change the heart. Maybe the 2023 service, and I shared that link earlier, or the website changetheheart.com.au. If you don't know other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders, 
come and uh, watch and pray with us through the Change the Heart service to read the Uluru Statement from the Heart. Many of you have now read it, but I wonder if you've read it out loud to actually hear those words in your own voice um, and to share that with others uh, to read. Uh, and, and you've got a copy, take it around with you. I carry a copy in my handbag and on my phone um, to always be ready to share it. Uh, and that's not asking people how they're going to vote. That's just giving them the words and the equipping them with listening, learning and loving and to listen. Listen to Archie, Uncle Archie Roach's song, Took the Children Away. I found out last year, before he passed away last year, as I was working in schools, that there were teachers in this country who had never heard of Uncle Archie Roach and never heard of the song, Took the Children Away. And I don't want that to be the same for Christians in this country. Um, and so just to listen, learn, love as you watch and pray, as you read and as you listen. And so I hope that we together, we must break the great Australian silence. We must seek justice and we must love with our Christian values and as Jesus commands, because my people's lives depend on it. And also in that 2021 Change the Heart service, I invited Australia back then to listen, to learn and to love. I invite you to do the same today as I've already shared. But I asked the question back in 2021 and I ask it today in light of the things I've shared. Do you realise that after 250 years of injustice, Aboriginal peoples are still holding out our hand in friendship and seeking right relationship? And this is the basis of our cultures as Aboriginal peoples, hospitality and generosity. And it is the creator who teaches us that we must have right relationship with all of country, which includes all peoples. And for me, this is that commandment from Jesus. And for me, this also shows the incredible examples from Aboriginal peoples of our extraordinary forgiveness, grace and faith. And indeed, some of my dearest non-Indigenous friends have called it a miracle. And so uh, there's a photo that'll come up on the screen in a moment. It was my Aboriginal mum who first taught me to dream and actively go after my impossible dreams. This little Aboriginal girl who grew up and lived most of her life in Redcliffe, Queensland, Gubby Gubby country, the neighbouring nation to my country, Waka Waka country, who grew up in poverty, never dreamed she would achieve the things she has. And I pinch myself that I'm even able to be here and share um, uh, in this place with each of you today. But you see, back in 1997, when this photo was taken at my Year 12 Awards Night, and we couldn't afford a, a camera, and so I'm very grateful for Mrs Kratzman, uh, one of my teachers, who took this photo in that moment uh, and gave it to me, the physical copy of the photo. But back here in 1997, in Year 12, I was already actively working for reconciliation. And I thought we, Australia, would achieve reconciliation by the year 2000. Everything was pointing to that reconciliation was something to be achieved in our nation. For me, as a 17-year-old, reconciliation meant that by the year 2000, Aboriginal peoples would have a treaty. I had the stickers, treaty, let's make it right. It was all about treaty. Aboriginal peoples and I would have equality because as a 17-year-old Aboriginal girl, I knew I was not equal in this country and that there would be an end to racism. 
Sadly, all these years later, Australia, that's you and I, still have not achieved these things. But I still believe in the impossible dream of reconciliation. And looking back now, I realise I dedicated my life to not just the pursuit, but the achievement and the journey of reconciliation as a 17-year-old over 25 years ago now. And I wonder if you have 17-year-olds in your life, if they're dedicating their lives to something, or even you today. And at the age of 21 in 2001, when I became a Christian, that pursuit then involved walking hand in hand with Jesus and praying for reconciliation each and every day. And that's Jesus who in life, death and resurrection was and is passionate about justice. Jesus who teaches me that through the love of God and Jesus, that Jesus' love is transforming, intriguing and relentless and is able to change hearts, peoples and nations. And reconciliation might seem like an impossible dream, but my mum (laughs) taught me to dream those impossible dreams. And then God taught me that with God, all things are possible. And there can be no reconciliation without truth, justice and action. And there can be no reconciliation without all of us. And you see, each one of you are part of my hope for this nation. And I look into your eyes and I see Jesus. Sadly, um, sometimes for us, and often it feels like many times, Non-Indigenous people can look into our eyes, the eyes of their Aboriginal brothers and sisters, and see us as some of your ancestors may have, as flora and fauna, or sometimes they see us as a problem to be fixed, or even worse, as I said before, somehow we become invisible. And so today, my Aboriginal hand of friendship is extended to you. And will you be brave and extend yours back? Uh, Will you make change by listening, learning and loving and taking action? And so on the screen is a painting by my sister Jasmine uh, Prentice Roberts uh, called Will You that she painted for me. And so as the story that goes with this painting by my sister, Waka Waka artist, uh, Jasmine uh, Roberts and Prentice of At My Time for Dreaming, Will you take my hand? Will you listen to my songs? Will you walk with me? Will you help me find truth? Will you help me seek justice? Will you please, please, please take my hand? Thank you.